everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0? Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground. Right, so one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones. Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah, there's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of. But there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up. Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives. You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Wonder Woman. She runs around in her underwear, she fights the Nazis, and she's an icon of Christian virtue? We'll find out today on The Sound of Sanity, welcoming you to The Sound of Sanity. It's me, Nathan Albertson, your humble and obedient host, joined by my good friend. You may know him from The Bookening as the pastor who is master of reading. You may know him from The World We Made as uh, Pastor Jacob Menzel. You may know him, if you're one of his kids, as Commander Daddy. He's got so many titles that we've attributed to him in the larger Warhorn verse. <laughs> Uh, probably others I'm not thinking of right now, but I know him as my friend, Jake. How you doing today, Jake? I'm doing great. How are you, Nathan? I'm doing well. I'm excited for this inaugural. I can never really feel like I'm successfully saying that word. <laughs> inaugural. Inaugural. This inaugural episode of The Sound of Sanity. Welcome to The Sound of Sanity, folks. This is the show where it's like you're coming up for oxygen, like you're surrounded by all the stuff in the culture and, you know, you go to work and everybody's standing around the water cooler talking about how great the last episode of Game of Thrones is and you're like, I don't watch that because I'm a Christian and you feel kind of weird and you start to think that you're crazy because you do stuff, but then you listen to the sound of sanity and you don't feel crazy anymore because you're with the three most, arguably most sane people. You got me, you got Jake, you got our beloved, uh, <laughs> soon to be beloved, uh, uh, new breakout character in the Warhorn verse. His name is Benjamin Solzer. He is our production assistant and audio engineer. He's engineering us over there. He's wearing a blue polo. And uh, how you doing today, Ben? I'm doing good, Nathan. Really good. I'm glad. More of a. I feel like this is kind of turquoise-ish, though. Kind of a turquoise polo. What would you say to <laughs> say to that? Ben may or may not be a continuing character in the Warhorn verse. <laughs> we'll just have to find out. It's possible he may be killed off in the first episode. <laughs> he may be the Marion Crane, or uh, I don't know what another famous movie character is that dies early. He may be uh, Sean Bean from that Game of Thrones that Christians don't watch, and so you don't know what I'm referencing, and neither do I. Um, welcome to The Sound of Sanity. This, as I said, is a show where we talk about the ways that we as Christians feel insane, and uh, we feel sane about them, because we should. We got sanity on our side. God created sanity. So, 
first of all, though, this being a Reformed Christian-ish podcast, mm. we need to have an obnoxious conversation about the craft beers that we're drinking and or whiskey or whatever uh, hipster things we are imbibing. I myself am drinking a mason jar full of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a 12 ounce bottle of Tropicana orange juice. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag hipster. (laughs) What are you drinking there, Solzer? Uh, uh, This is a... Circle K House Blend Coffee (laughs) (laughs) with some Hershey's Chocolate Caramel Creamer in there. Pretty bold. (laughs) That's the way that we are around here. We take bold stands for Christian liberty. Bold stands for Christian liberty. We we even think that Christians are free, if they want to, to drink gas station coffee. (laughs) We'll go that far. I do not have to drink good coffee. Shall you... Drink gas station coffee that indigestion may abound? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the king's kid. Right. Exactly. I don't know what that means. And I'm not interested to find out. Uh, Today, so every episode of What Happens on the Sound of Sanity, we talk about a place where we, as I've stated now, this is probably the third time I'm explaining the premise of the show, but this is the first time you're ever hearing the show because this is the first episode. You jumped right on board. You love everything we do. You're an intelligent human being. Um, so you are listening to the first episode of Santa Sanity. We're going to talk about a place in each episode where we as Christians feel insane, where it's just like the culture is completely out of whack. Is that the word I want? Where the yeah, culture... Yeah, a place, you know, if we can be so bold as to say it, where you feel like you're drowning, where we feel like we're, maybe we're drowning in the filth of the culture, mm-hmm. and we're going to try to throw out, what do you call those... Life saver, life, life preservers. preservers. Yeah. Life preservers. Yeah. What do you call those life preserving devices again? <laughs> um, and so today we thought we'd do a sizzling hot take on Wonder Woman because <laughs> it's so fresh. Wonder Woman. She's she's an icon of 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 uh, female empowerment. She runs around in her underwear. She uh, she fights those Nazis. We all love Wonder Woman, right? Ben, Ben's got a big a Gal Gadot poster. Several Gal Gadot posters hanging. That's uh, yeah, that's that's not true <laughs> at all. Now, ben, your favorite superhero movie is, in fact, the Amazing Spider-Man Part Two. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's not true either. But I do like that one a lot, Nathan. Glad you brought it up. I don't know what my favorite superhero movie is. Maybe it's The Incredibles. I think that's a that's 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 a good choice. Yeah, I think it's kind of one of those choices that a lot of people do, and and they they're sort of pat themselves on the back of it. It's the right. That's why I do it. Yeah, it is one yeah. of those like what's what's my favorite superhero movie? Well, you wouldn't expect this, but it's The Incredibles. <laughs> okay, just, uh, I, I like to. I'm the kind of guy that likes to think outside the box. <laughs> yes, because it's an animated children's movie, but it's also really good, and adults like it a lot. Yeah, they do. But Wonder Woman, she runs around in her underwear. She fights the Nazis. We love Wonder Woman, right? False. 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 (laughs) Um, Well, let's start by getting everybody's bearings on the subject. Jake, what what kind of uh, context did you bring to Wonder Woman? This uh, you've been a Wonder Woman fan. No, you know anything about Wonder Woman? You ever watched the Linda Carter TV show? Anything like? (laughs) I think I have seen a little bit of that old TV show. the only thing I I really knew about Wonder Woman was that Wonder Woman was like Superman, but a woman who ran around in her underwear. Right. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I suppose most superheroes, man or woman, do run around in their underwear, but Wonder Woman... That's not. I, I don't feel like being fair. <laughs> She's a woman that runs around in her underwear. It's not good, people. Uh, ben, 
you love Wonder Woman. You feel like you need a strong fictional woman in your life. You have a poster of her hanging over your bathroom mirror that you look at to inspire you. You've cut out the head and you, it, you put you look in your own head is on Wonder Woman's body and it makes <laughs> you feel really like an empowered creepy. woman. <laughs> that's true really, or false? That's uh, false, Nathan. <laughs> It's very creepy. It does seem like the kind of thing Wonder Woman is designed for. However. Oh, I thought you said. I thought you were going to say it does seem like the kind of thing I would do. <laughs> no, that's not what I was going to say. Um, yeah, I've I've always hated Wonder Woman, and I've always thought that she was really boring. Yeah, I guess that that's actually a, a fairly uh, good point. Yeah, who cares about Wonder Woman? Like, she's always felt like oh, you're supposed to like try to like her. Like she's just a warrior woman. She has no like particular weaknesses or no interesting background she's just like yeah, no, she's never had in heretofore before the summer she had never had like a good movie she had that really cheesy old tv show that you know you can find lots of gifs or gifs or however you say that on the internet if you're you know but uh yeah she's 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 uh i always as a kid not really thinking about it from a feminism or anything biblical sex role not thinking about it like that i just thought wonder woman was boring i mean she didn't have an interesting story it, it just i felt the um you know designed by commit not that she was de- designed by a committee but she always kind of felt like she was designed in a lab to make some sort of point about women and um, to say that we have a woman that does that belongs in the league with Superman and Batman, she never felt like there was anything inherently interesting about her, like there is about Batman. You know, about with Batman, it's like, oh, it's fun to go in the cave and you know have all these cool gadgets and be a billionaire, and you know your parents are murdered and you're taking, you know, there's all this stuff that you can latch onto as a kid. Uh, Superman, same thing. All the great heroes, Spider-Man, definitely. You know, he's a guy that he's a t- teenager just like you and me with the same adolescent problems, but he also has the powers of a Spider-Man and he can do whatever spider can yeah that wonder woman maybe it's just that she didn't have a good show or interpretation at the time but she she, she never had much for me as a little boy to latch on did you not like her invisible plane you didn't think that was cool a lot of people mentioned the invisible plane it's in the lego movie hmm. yep. <laughs> <laughs> thanks yep. for contributing <laughs> you're welcome this is pretty pretty funny the bad guys blow up her invisible plane you remember that? Oh, well. Yeah. Sounds hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so when Wonder Woman first came out in theaters, there was a, a whole, there were a whole bunch of articles that were written and a whole bunch of tweets out there by Christians about how Wonder Woman is not so bad. Wonder Woman is a good portrayal of the gospel. Shut up. Don't think about Wonder Woman. Eat your popcorn and enjoy it because it's a good movie. I want to know how that made you feel, Nathan. <laughs> well, it made me feel bad, Jake. <laughs> uh, I, I might as well actually just tell the story here. So earlier this summer, when Wonder Woman was, I think, the week that it came out, a Christian leader of the uh, Gospel Coalition-ish uh, variety uh, sent out a tweet that ended up eventually resulting in me getting blocked by him. He said, seeing Wonder Woman this weekend, instead of looking for the encoded, implicit, cultural, theological meaning, I'm just going to eat popcorn. This is a very conservative, reformed gentleman tweeting this, and it really kind of uh, made me angry, so I tweeted back at him, what about the brazen, explicit, cultural, theological meaning? (laughs) Got him. Um, And then I tweeted again, if only someone would crack the code of what the implicit cultural meaning is in Wonder Woman. (laughs) And I had (laughs) bra icon. (laughs) 
Uh, strong arm. Emoji. Um, uh, yeah. And then maybe I went too far because <laughs> I'm seeing now, I haven't looked at this since it happened, but uh, I said, good thing movies don't make us feel feelings and uh, feelings don't affect how we think. Extra butter is yummy. Vagina hat, etc. <laughs> okay, so maybe I deserve to get blocked for that one. <laughs> but dude, <laughs> this is where I started to feel crazy. And, and it happened all summer and it started happening. I started seeing it more and more among Christians who would either try and recast Wonder Woman as some kind of a symbol of what's good about Christian femininity. You know, Wonder Woman is, she functions as a symbol of the church. You know, she's she's in the great tradition of Joan of Arc of, of these kinds of late. So you do that, or you'd see people, I'm just going to turn off my brain and eat some popcorn and enjoy a good popcorn movie. And this is the best popcorn movie. And that first argument, or, I think. Or, or I'm going to ignore that there's any sexual content to this at all and just talk about how this is a good depiction of understanding depravity because she doesn't get it at first, but she comes to understand it over the course of the film. Yeah. (laughs) And that's Gospel Coalition people too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I don't know where to even start digging into this. Uh, First of all, the whole idea that uh, you're just going to eat popcorn, let's just get rid of that one right away. Everybody in the entire world is saying that Wonder Woman is feminist propaganda, including the makers of Wonder Woman, including Gal Gadot, including the director, Patty Jenkins, I think her name is. Everybody that loves Wonder Woman loves it principally because it's a good piece of propaganda. It's propaganda for something they believe in, and they think it's doing good work. So So why would somebody come out and say, instead of doing my theological hot take, I'm just going to eat popcorn? What's his goal? What's What's he think he's accomplishing? Right. All the pagans are doing their theological hot takes, and they're happy to do it. And they're saying it's important. They're saying it's going to change how little girls think. They're not tr- it would be one thing if they were saying hey we made a good popcorn movie and then you know i could see a christian saying well you know it was a, just a, it was a popcorn movie but nobody except for christians wants to pretend like this is just a popcorn movie so that was the first thing effectively when a, when a leader comes out like this guy did and says instead of thinking theologically and culturally about this i'm just going to enjoy my popcorn what's he saying to everybody who all the christians who follow him who are going to go see the movie well it made me really mad because the reason that i responded so strongly and got pretty angry about it really was I, I like Wonder Woman. I'm a champion of justice. You guys know that, right? Yeah. A a, a hero of the, I shouldn't bash my microphone when I (laughs) pump my fist (laughs) in praise of my own glory. But um, I, I really hated thinking about little people, people who just feel weird tension because the whole world is saying, there's this movie, your daughter should see this movie so she can grow up like Wonder Woman. It's a woman running around in her underwear fighting Nazis. We think it's the greatest thing ever. And then there's Christians that are like, I, f- I feel a little weird about that. Maybe and then, that's bad. And then this Christian leader, this Gospel Coalition guy comes along and says, if you feel any tension about this, you're, you know, kind of dumb. You know, I'm gonna, I'm sophisticated. I'm just gonna be eating my my popcorn shut up and eat your popcorn stop trying to think theologically and biblically about the entertainment you consume you know if he said at the end of the i mean like come on if he wanted to write an article or even do a a, a, what's what's it called when you do a bunch of tweets all it or in a row and a twitter tweet storm a tweet storm or when they thread a thread yeah if you wanted to do a thread where he's like here's the argument for why y'all need to not feel tension about 
Wonder Woman and you need to eat your popcorn. Here's why, having thought about the tension, I can resolve it. I'm going to try and resolve it for you. That'd be one thing. I'd probably disagree completely with him if he tried to do that. But that's not what he's doing. What he's doing is dismissing the whole idea that there should be or could be tension. And it's just so unhelpful. Well, yeah, I mean, the fact is, you've already said it, but Wonder Woman was designed to be a fem-Nazi icon from the very, Mm. very beginning. The creator and founder, like the creator of Wonder Woman was a a moral monster. Yeah, let's get, uh, let's let's, let's bring Mr. Solzer into the mix. I think you've done some some research on this. Uh, uh, Thanks, Wikipedia. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) give us some facts on this, uh, Mr., what was his name? Marston, Professor William Marston, a psychologist. Yeah, he created Wonder Woman in, like, oh, the 30s, I believe it was. He was all about how... Um, There's a movie coming out about him called Professor Marston and the... The Wonder Women. The Wonder Women. Um, I guess featuring his wife and his lover as the Wonder Women. I right. don't know. But, yeah, he lived with both of them. He was all about teaching men that they could and probably should submit to strong, alluring, beautiful women. And so his comics feature... I mean, which he wrote the first... He wrote a bunch of the first issues, and they included themes of bondage, like erotic bondage, like you'd find in porn. And, and not as like a, not in the way that sometimes we watch an old 1950s thing and we're like, wow, they really didn't realize all the f- subtext that they were getting into. But this was like Mr. Marston saying to his illustrators and his people and his writing his scripts exactly. and saying, we, we got to get a bondage scene in here because that's what people like. That's what I like. That's what men will respond to. That's he, what- un- he understood exactly. Oh, here, let me read a quote. From him. This is really good. Dun, dun, dun. Ah, about male readers, Marston wrote, "Give them an alluring woman stronger than themselves to submit to, and they'll be proud to become her willing slaves." <laughs> so, just what a just what a <laughs> turn turn male and female hierarchy around uh, in a pretty explicit way. And he wanted to do that through the comics. He wanted to educate the male readers. He wanted them to be turned on by Wonder Woman and to submit themselves to strong, alluring women, gladly. Which is why he modeled Wonder Woman after the two women that he had and who bore his children, right? So there were mm-hmm. two women. He had yeah. both of them. They lived together. They it knew was, about each other. It wasn't like a side it was, it was like it's, right? He had the wife of his youth and then he had it was like a student or something like that yeah, right former but, student of his yeah. but he brought her into the home and they had this sort of three-way relationship and they both ended up bearing his children and he was all part they were all part of this reshaping how we think about sexuality one of the women was margaret singer's niece and her mother co-founded with Margaret Sanger the first Planned Parenthood. These are not these are ideologues here. Mm-hmm. And Wonder Woman was created by an ideologue to r- subvert the sexual order from the very beginning. And it, w- it was very explicit, very intentional about it. Everybody knew it. And so she's always been this huge feminist slash drag queen icon. Like when I think of Wonder Woman, I always think of Cher. Right. I think of. I mean, this is weird to say, but I've known uh, workmates, um, a, a number of gay men that have like the Wonder Woman calendar hanging in his office. You know, I mean, she's she is an icon of that type of person. And she wasn't was designed to be that. And yeah, you know, I often get uncomfortable when people get, you know, on Facebook. Well, the, the liberal Illuminati is working to bring down our culture behind the scenes. And it, but this was this is actually an example of a very explicit, <laughs> well documented liberal People being like, we will create an agenda and then we will see it through subverting people through the entertainment that they mindlessly consume. (laughs) Which is also why Wonder Woman rang hollow for so long and (laughs) has only been able to find a foothold 
now. Right. Now is the time for Wonder Woman to finally be a character that people can actually care about because we've finally Well, these people are degraded where, enough that they're yeah. now they're like, give us propaganda, please, to make us feel <laughs> right. better about ourselves. <laughs> you know, it used to be that you had to be at least a little sneaky about the propaganda. But yeah, so that's Marston. He's he was a jerk. <laughs> Dare I say it? You got more details you wanted to share with us? You look like a man with more details. Oh, I think I should read this other quote that's in the Wikipedia article. Let's hear the other quote from the Wikipedia. It's talking about submission. Mm -hmm. He says, The only hope for peace is to teach people who are full of pep and unbound force (laughs) to enjoy being bound. Only when the control of self by others is more pleasant than the unbound assertion of self in human relationships can we hope for a stable, peaceful human society, giving to others, being controlled by them, Submitting to other people cannot possibly be enjoyable without a strong erotic element. So, so this was a kinky, weird bondage guy. I mean, yeah, yeah, and it's it's like it's like it's it's a it's a mockery of the idea, the Christian idea of submission, which doesn't have to do with sexual domination of one person, male or female, by another person, male or female. But that's what this is all about. It's about using uh, our our sexuality to make others submit to us. Uh, having their best interests at heart, of course, like Wonder Woman would. Yeah, but. these people always have our best interests in heart. That's right. Oh, no! The, uh... The 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 devil's advocacy alarm is going off, guys. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you guys know what the DAA is. Devil advocacy alarm goes off sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't go off at all, but it's going off right now. That means one of us has to play the devil's advocate. Hmm. Who wants to do it? Hmm. <laughs> Uh, sure, yeah. Well, we're supposed to submit to one another in love. <laughs> so there. <laughs> That's quite possibly some of the worst devil's advocacy. You're not allowed to be the devil's advocate. Sorry. Darn. Okay. Like enough to work as the devil's advocate. Okay, I'll be well. the devil's advocate. All right, guys. Uh, the, the, the trope of the woman warrior goes way, way back into history, all the way back. And everybody's always known that women can't fight the way that men can. So that's why this trope always involves supernatural abilities. You can go all the way back to the Greek gods and see Pallas Athena. You can go up through, so that's that's Homer, mm-hmm. right? You can you can go up through uh, history and see some, like Portia. She's not exactly a, a warrior, but she's, you know, that can kind I, can, of heroine can of Shakespeare. Can I interrupt you, Mr. Devil, real quick? Yeah. You, just to start with one thing that you said at the very beginning, you said everybody's always known that women can't uh, fight like men, but nobody knows that any anymore. I don't think. <laughs> Seems like a lot of people don't actually know that. We actually have women in our military being asked to fight like men. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I'm being the most sophisticated sort of devil who would be most likely to convince someone like you, Nathan, who wrote an article about how women don't have broad shoulders. I did? Oh, yeah. If you want to look up the most popular thing I've ever done, it's called an open letter array. <laughs> People loved it on the internet. Um, anyway, go on, Mr. Devil. I'm sorry. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to go ahead and give you that point. You're going to say that you're going to give me that women generally aren't going to have the upper body strength I'm or gonna, whatever. I'm just going to give you that point okay. and, and take that out of your arsenal because I know that that's a point you're going to try to argue. I'm going to grant you that point and I'm going to say, so what? Women have, we give women supernatural abilities in, uh, in these circumstances in order to compensate for the fact that they don't have broad shoulders. And that only heightens the sense of virtue and otherliness that women, women bring. And uh, it makes these women warriors a symbol of feminine strength, which typifies the church, which is a strong, militant woman, as she's portrayed in scripture. Church militant, church is a she. Militant woman with supernatural abilities endowed by 
God herself, or God himself. (laughs) (laughs) Was that an actual Freudian slip right there? Yes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't have you play the devil. (laughs) You're doing a pretty good job there. Uh, Closing arguments. I'll just let you deal with that for a minute. Well, probably I should take this minute to drive to the nearest bridge and throw myself off off it because I'm devastated by that argument. I see Ben over there in the corner. He's sobbing. He's uh, he realizes that all our notions of our old fashioned patriarchal notions of women and you know actual womenly mm-hmm. virtue have been obliterated by uh, Jake yeah. the Devil. They're gone. They're gone. <laughs> hey Ben, do you like J.R. Tolkien? Aon. Uh, Boom. Uh, Ouch! Yes. What I, about I, I, the Odyssey? <laughs> Athena, Palace Athena. Boom. <laughs> Do you like history? <laughs> Joan of Arc. <laughs> oh. Do you like that Luc Besson movie about Joan of Arc? I haven't seen that one. <laughs> Do you like Carl Dreyer's The Passion of Joan de Arc? I haven't seen that either. Pretty good. Available on the Criterion Collection. Yeah, uh, cool. Those are the big three, I guess. Oh, do you like? Oh, do you like the Bible? Uh, yes. Deborah. Deborah. Boom. <laughs> boom. Do you still like the Bible? Yes. Jail. Jail. Boom. <laughs> do you like apocryphal, crappy literature that has nothing to do with the Bible? Uh, not so much. No. But what about, you're forgetting about the wise woman who dropped the millstone on oh, the head yeah. of that one Gideon's, that general Gideon's guy. son? Yeah. It was Gideon's son who killed all the other sons. I can't remember his name now, but... Some jerk, yeah. She dropped a millstone on his head. Yep. That was the end of him. Mm. Yep. Boom. Yep. And, and, and Millstone lady. Millstone, millstone lady. lady. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and don't forget the wise woman who told Joab that they would throw the head of that one rebel against David to him ah, over the yes. wall. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't think she did the cutting, but she was the one who said, we'll throw his head over the wall. Yep, so. yep, yep. Man, this is devastating. Isn't yep. It? <laughs> and you got the, my favorite biblical character of all time, Judith. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, the great. It's not in the Bible, Nathan. Was oh, that not from? That's really not. I could have swore I read that in the Bible. I could have swore that <laughs> maybe five hundred people Bible. when I did that opened array article. Five hundred people said, "What about Judith from the Bible?" <laughs> like, what? What about her? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Tell Apparently, me more, please. What'd she do? She from? What did Judith even do? She she said, "I'll sleep with you, evil occupying general guy," and then she cut off his head or that something like that. Is that what she did? Yep. Oh, There's there a lot is. of paintings about that. Yeah. Yep. That, <laughs> he um, always looked. He he look, always looks very shocked and dismayed in those paintings <laughs> yeah well no! you, know, <laughs> you think a beautiful woman's interested in you and then it turns out she's she's cutting off your head it's, it's a shocking and dismaying thing and we are all shocked and dismayed by having the head cut off of what we thought was our understanding of biblical theology of the sexes that jake just jake just lopped off its head and that's why we're filled with shock and dismay that's true or but there may be some counter arguments <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that everything jake said was a bunch of crap <laughs> <laughs> well, how would we argue against uh, that goodness. argument, fellas? Where do you want to? Where do you want to start? I guess I'll jump in and uh... Jake v. Jake, John of <laughs> <Whoa>. Justice. <laughs> Jake is playing both it's the Nazis like, and Wonder Woman. It's like Jet right. in the one. <laughs> First of all, you're pretty hard pressed to establish that there actually is such a thing as a trope there of the woman warrior. But let's go ahead and grant that there is a woman warrior trope and let's let's start at the beginning with with Athena. Did you guys read everybody read the Odyssey in high school, right? Mm, like a sure. Cliff Notes version, yes. I don't know about you guys when you read when you read the Odyssey, but when I read the Odyssey, I did not think of Pallas Athena as being this beautiful portrayal of 
of godly feminine beauty and strength that translated into something practical and and biblical. No, <laughs> I can't say those were the first words that popped <laughs> into my head. I'll tell you what I did think. Man, it sure would be nice to have a super hot chick who was my guardian angel who worshipped me and who also helped fight all my battles and helped me get out of scrapes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's ultimately what women warriors accomplish is they become this sort of like fantasy wish fulfillment object for lazy passive men. Yeah, I would say um, about Wonder Woman, there are two attributes that uh, men really appreciate about her. Her breasts! (laughs) (laughs) True. Seriously. I mean, it is weird that like little girls and probably little boys too are going to have this poster of this babe in her underwear, this supermodel Israeli supermodel babe. I think that's what Gal Gadot is. I mean, like, I know it's not all that bad compared to like horrifically bad stuff that pops up on your computer even if you don't want it to all the time but it's still a gal in like her underwear the stated goal Mm -hmm. (laughs) the design and the intent of everyone from marston Mm -hmm. through gal gadot and patty uh, jenkins patty jenkins is to use this beautiful woman's sexuality to subvert the sexual order so that men yes will look at this woman and think here is a beautiful woman that I would love to subject myself to That's and have right. fight my battles for me and protect me, and I will just be willingly in bondage to her. Well, and the nice thing about, or the nice thing, the clever thing about it, I mean, I think propaganda is much more sophisticated these days than it used to be. Like when I was growing up, if you're going to have a feminist in a movie, you'd have a scene where a bunch of guys would be in a bar and she'd walk in and they'd be like, oh, hey, look at hot pants over here. And then she'd punch one of them and, you know, the hero of the movie would be sitting in the corner and be like, oh yeah, this is the lady for me. You know, and be this real obvious, dumb, you know, this woman is empowered kind of cheesy thing but now oftentimes like in star wars they just accept it as a matter of course you know right you don't draw attention to it it just becomes something that's a part of the milieu of the film or whatever you know the whole right it's just assumed so with wonder woman of course ray can kick everybody's butt because she's you know she's yeah because she's awesome it doesn't have anything yeah they still kind of have to they tip the hand a little bit with the whole you know uh, don't hold my hand or with Jin Erso in the latest Star Wars there's the scene where she's beating up the stormtroopers and you just have a cutaway to the guy hero being like oh well that's interesting Um, but I think as as we get even more sophisticated we'll probably just lose the cutaway of the guy it'll just be like yeah of course she beats up stormtroopers why wouldn't she Um, and that's already basically where we are with Wonder Woman you can't quite do it that way you have to sort of lean into the fact that she is a feminist icon but what they do is they make it very wholesome they get a a a pretty vivacious woman like gal gadot is either is or is able to play on tv very well and um they get her to exemplify a lot of sort of girl next door uh smiling wholesome you know she's not some they're not giving us the bondage erotica stuff under that name they're not they're not presenting it that way they are using her sexuality and they are using it in a bad way but they're using it in a sophisticated way very subtly yeah yeah there's nothing to make a undiscerning mother be unhappy about her daughter dressing up like Wonder Woman, for example. I mean, a godly mother, I think, would be, but mom, it's nothing that's going to be like... Well, lots of godly mothers, I think, probably feel chastened for being resistant, you yeah, know? Cause they like, because they should popcorn. just be eating their popcorn. Right. And after all, you know, she's typifies the 
church who's a militant <laughs> woman and the gospel's in it because she's this sweet, you know, innocent do-gooder who believes in, you know, the best in people and she has to come down to Compassion and love and courage and faith and right. all those kinds are, of things those she are exemplifies. Hey, those are our virtues. Well. Yeah. Hey, you're trying to co-opt our virtues. You can't have them. We're going to have them. Wonder Woman is accidentally a Christian movie. Right. Oops. <laughs> it's so stupid, though. I mean, it's like people are surprised. Like, they included some of our virtues. Of course, they're always going to include as many of our virtues as they could to dress up their vice. Vice is never going to be inherently attractive. The way that you make vice attractive is by dressing it up with as many virtues as you possibly can. you got to make it look good. Right. And this is the thing where Christians are so dumb because they don't see sec- the morality of sexu- sexuality. We can't see it. We can only see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness as, you know, that's godliness. And so you make her as biblically virtuous in all of those respects and just have her be a total rebel against the created order. And we're just willing to swallow it whole. We're just that dumb. But uh, we should bring it back to the main point, which is that she's actually a symbol of the church and therefore not a rebel of the created order, but in fact, a exemplifier, a typifier of the vast created cosmic order. The church is a woman in relationship to God, and God saves the babe. Right. (laughs) In fact, she's not even much of a babe. Right. God saves her, and then he beautifies her. Right. Jesus comes. He saves her. He fights Satan. He crushes the serpent's head under his own foot. He does the work. He saves her, and he makes her beautiful. Now, that doesn't mean we think that every husband who's exemplifying Christ's relationship to the church is 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 taking a woman who is inherently inferior to him and somehow making—don't—don't— don't, probably not even worth fighting against that dumb thing. But if you were thinking something really dumb based on what Jake just said, then don't. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, the church's orientation to the, to, to the world is militant. Yeah, well, but then True, God but that, gives us instructions for how we can best be men and women and how we can best typify Christ and the church. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands, women, be keepers at home, all this kind of stuff. That's how they be, that, that's how they done be a godly example of what the church is. That's how they typify it. And yeah, that doesn't mean that y- y- if you try to make, you know, the argument based on, well, the church is, you know, a militant woman or whatever. What you're doing is you're buying into the argument that the alternative is uh, uh, of femininity taking up arms is being a doormat. Right. Right. And that's just not the case. There's such a thing as feminine strength, and it's a real thing, and it doesn't involve taking up arms and going to war. There's also because there is also such a thing as feminine weakness, right? And feminine weakness prevents that. And you need to embrace the reality of how God made men and women. Women are the weaker sex. That's what the Bible says, and it's true. And it has to do with the broadness of a man's shoulders. It has to do with the fact that the woman was deceived and not the man, which is what the Bible says. And all sorts of things about how God designed women to bear children, to bear life, to nurture their children, to care for their children. And men to take responsibility. And, and men to take responsibility for their families and to protect and provide for their families. Wonder Woman subverts all of that. Yeah, and what, what Wonder Woman does is it takes, I don't know, life-giving and nurturing kind of maybe out of the equation mm-hmm. just a little bit, and then then takes you know the, the man and puts him in a, in a subversive role where the best he can do is sit in the corner and be like, well, let me help you wisen up to the ways of the world. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I've not seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> I'm nope. going gonna, gonna to try really hard to not see that movie. I bet I'd really enjoy it. 
Yeah, um, I'm sure. From it's everything a- I've read, it's really well done. It has great dialogue. I've heard snappy banter, which I love. Snappy banter. I really miss it. I really hate movies that just let, are like the 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 dialogue in those Zacks other Zack Snyder movies where it's just like you suck. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just <laughs> all Martha. Terry. Yeah, <laughs> Martha. <laughs> Wait. Your mother's name was Martha too. Your name, your mother's name was Martha. Right. <laughs> I mean, where all the dialogues, the glowy light. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have to put light. it out. Stop the glowy light. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm sure Wonder Woman apparently is much better than that. I'm sure, and I bet it is. And I bet I'd really enjoy it. <laughs> and it makes me mad that they didn't put all that talent into something that wasn't sub- completely subverting the way that God made the world and completely rebellious against it. So, at the end of the day. What is it that we're really trying to say? Well, Ben, I feel like you've been trying to say that you love Wonder Woman and <laughs> think me, both me and Jake are wrong. Oh, and, uh, well, you like, I've you, tried to be very subtle. I'm surprised that you caught that. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm getting is that you think every woman should dress up in her underwear, fight Nazis, and uh, you should just uh, sit on a couch and watch and say, yeah, baby, fight those Nazis. I actually think that... Um the erotic bondage of Wonder Woman. I think that even as like a little boy, I caught the, uh, I could feel the undercurrent of this kind of thing in the culture. Not Wonder Woman in particular, because I don't think I was, even knew what she. I had a vague awareness of some comics heroes, but but that that's just around, and that you can be seduced into that as a little kid, because it's in a lot of movies, it's in a lot of shows, it has been for a long time. Not end and comics, superhero comics generally. Actually, so yeah, now I'm going to go back. I'm trying to think of when I actually started reading superhero comics. I don't know how little I was. I didn't have a lot of them. My parents weren't that comfortable with them. But I just remember, you know what? There's a lot of like really tough women in their underwear right. in superhero <laughs> comics. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was, that was a, a, a gateway drug into that kind of stuff. The stuff of like emasculated men who just want hot women to rule over them. I think that was that was that was something that I I've looked back on and realized, oh, that was poison and now I have to now I have to pray hard to well, fight against that that poison in my imagination. We have to talk about how attractive this idea really is to yeah. all of us. It's yeah. not we're not just, yeah. you know, this is not a podcast where we're just like the culture out there is so yeah, terrible, yeah, man. Yeah. And we're this is in not here. theoretical at all. No, no, no. <laughs> no it's it's uh, wonderful. That's why I actually went to wanted to talk about the Odyssey because you loved that idea. I absolutely loved that yeah. idea. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, Athena was my patron goddess. Mm-hmm. And not because of some like wisdom and uh, wisdom, it was because she was a babe who worshiped a the, the clever Odysseus and I thought oh I could be clever Odysseus and have a babe guardian angel who mm. you know goes into battle and subverts Ares or whatever Apollos or whatever mm-hmm. and it was super attractive yeah and, and I think that that that's the whole point of the of of the warrior woman as at least the modern warrior woman yeah yeah she I mean it's such a stupid lie she does everything that a woman needs to do she's nurturing and caring and she loves you know she 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 beats up all the men in the bar that are trying to grope her but she 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 loves me and she lets me do whatever i want and uh she thinks i'm the best and somehow is sexually attracted to me even though i'm a worthless piece of crap <laughs> right. that's right and but yeah. but she also bears all the responsibility fights all the battles and uh does all the difficult hard work and lives all the tension that i as a man would traditionally have to and would really like to escape yeah, relieves me of the responsibilities. It's a great fantasy and a huge victory for masturbating men in their mother's basements everywhere. Yep. It's it's of course it's a 
wonderful fantasy. Wouldn't wouldn't we all love it if that's the way that God made the world? But it's it's wicked of us to mm. want that. It's not not the way He made the world. And that's why men have leaned so hard into embracing feminism. Feminism is the triumph of lazy men, and Wonder Woman is the triumph of a man who was too lazy to tame his own lusts, too lazy to stick to one woman, too lazy to do the work of being a good psychiatrist for crying out loud or psychologist or father or a good father. And and now they're going to make a a movie. I'm sure it's going to be about normalizing his polyamorous. You watch the trailer and it's like, some people live unconventional lives. Yeah, it's totally celebratory. It's not. I haven't even seen the trailer yet. Oh, well, maybe we'll include a link. The trailer sets a celebratory tone. I can say that much. Yeah, very yeah. celebratory. Like you know, sometimes a, a, a guy comes along that you know has real courage to. Right, it's right. It's like you know, a beautiful mind. And, That's right. Uh, it's That's it's right. just that kind of. Uh, I never saw the Kinsey movie, but I think that one was pretty similar. So it's one of those yeah. things. And that's everywhere. Again, like that's everywhere. That's in all the shows that you watch. I mean, every, you know, kick butt women are just in, in everything you see. It's just normal. (laughs) Which is really dumb. And if you're the kind of guy out there that feels emasculated by that, that's something godly in you and you shouldn't have to feel insane about it. That scene. Yeah, it is it is emasculating to have a woman that's going to do all of your work and leave you to... I mean, what are you supposed to do with your life? If, if, if every woman is Wonder Woman, then what use is there for men? Not much, besides maybe propagating the species. They'll seem, they've already figured that out, or figuring that out. <laughs> right. Uh, welcome to the end of that hideous strength, and uh, every Orwellian thingamabobber ever. So don't go see Wonder Woman. Don't feel crazy for thinking Wonder Woman is maybe not the best thing ever. Don't feel crazy for thinking that maybe Wonder Woman isn't a good model of biblical sexuality or maybe doesn't portray the gospel because it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And for the love of all that is holy, and I mean that not as a minced oath, don't try to baptize Wonder Woman and tell people that there's anything redemptive about Wonder Woman. There's not. She's demonic. She always has been, and we don't baptize demons, period. Mm. So stop it. Yeah. And don't assume that the entertainment value you get from seeing Wonder Woman will be worth... The trade-off of taking in more of the corruption that yeah, the you're already swimming and in. impact that it's going to have on yeah, you. Don't yeah. think that you're above it. You 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 can watch the movie and be entertained by it, and it, it won't affect your heart. Because you'll be readier to engage with the culture after yeah. you see Wonder Woman. Wah, you'll understand wah, just wah. what demon we're wrestling with. Wah. Garbage. That's another episode, but uh, don't do that, idiot, and don't baptize demons. That was just about the most badass thing that Jake Menzel's ever said, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> probably a pretty good note to end the show on so everybody out there thinking about baptizing demons don't do it do not baptize those demons my friends yeah the thank you for listening to the sound of sanity anything we need to be plugging jake for warhorn media uh the world we made world we made wonderful podcast features the great tim bailey the great nathan Amberson, and the great jacob mensel talking about homosexuality in this first sen- uh, season find it wherever yeah and if you want to dig deeper actually into sexuality and effeminacy we've got episodes on that there yeah absolutely um if you want to dig deeper just in to sexuality in general. Tim Bailey's got a book called Daddy Tried, Overcoming the Failures of Fatherhood. And that might sound like a book exclusively for the father's only club, but it's actually a really great book just about biblical sexuality, especially biblical manhood. So there's that. And there's his new book on homosexuality, uh, The Grace of Shame. Dropping September 4th, if I'm not mistaken. 
September 4th, The Grace of Shame, Seven Ways the Church Has Failed to Love Homosexuals. You'll be wanting to watch for all of those coming your way soon. And look up for a beloved article that you can still find on the internet. You can find all kinds of very entertaining responses to it entitled, That's right. An Open Letter to Ray. <laughs> if you want to go to our Facebook page, if you go to our Facebook page, you'll find that we, are, we have a three-star rating. Uh, it's up to three stars because some well-meaning souls out there on the internet thank you to all of you who have done this for whatever reason we don't know why you've why you've done it but thank you you've pushed us from a two-star rating to a three-star rating on facebook's five-star rating <laughs> scale thank but there you, are some yes. amazing reviews there are probably about 40 or 50 one-star reviews there all uh all directed at the that wonderful article by Nathan from hey, over a year and a half ago. So. We're up to 3.1. I, I, just to whet your appetite, I will, uh, I will read you one of these. <laughs> this is a random one I just find. I couldn't fish your article. It's a typo. I think you meant finish. I probably could have if it were satire, but wow, you really are a dinosaur. Just not the cool kind from Jurassic Park or Land Before Time. Probably. Burn. Burn, yeah. Aw, man. I'm not as cool as Petrie. Uh, Probably as childish as the ones from the Land Before... Probably as childish as the ones from Land Before Time. Maybe I am Petrie. I'd like to see you be as tough as the amazing woman you decided to belittle. This is 2016, friend. Men like you are better left off in the last century. With the dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, this is me patting your incredibly pompous, thoroughly ignorant head on behalf of Ray Furiosa, Wonder Woman, and the millions of strong <laughs> and brilliant females out there in the real and fictitious world. <laughs> anyway, you can find all kinds of entertaining reviews on our Facebook page. You can hit me up at Not Famous Nathan. Hit Jacob at Jacob Mensel on the Twitter. And uh, you can listen to our wonderful podcast, The Booketing. Every new episodes of that drop every week on uh, Wednesdays. On Wednesdays. Yep, we talk about books. I think we're doing probably Midsummer Night Dream. We might be finishing that up, going into My Antonio, two books that we both really loved. And uh, Ben Solzer, you got anything to plug? Anything you're trying to sell besides your uh, charming personality? Uh, that's not for sale. Ben's got nothing to sell except for his charming personality, which is not <laughs> not for sale. That's right. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening, folks, and uh, from all your friends at Warhorn Media. Until next time, stay sane. <laughs>